Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jade. How are we this week? Have things picked up? Oh, not really. (laughs) (laughs) No, apart from losing my libido for life, I don't feel that much better, to be honest. So sorry to be a real drag, but how are you? I'm good, actually. I was trying to think of highs and lows before coming on. And I've only got highs. (laughs) No, as in like I don't really have any like high highs, but I don't have any low lows, but it's been a good week. Like I feel like, you know, this always happens with us whenever, you know, it's been so nice that you've been down for so long because it's meant I felt <laughs> so good for so long because <laughs> normally we take it in turns you know no I'm yeah. not poking fun at your mental health <laughs> at all but we always say that we take it in turns and whenever I'm having absolute barriers you're flying and whenever you are I'm going well so um yeah it's just like there hasn't been anything that's been that fantastic but nothing has oh, been well, you that are building either. you are I building know, a fabulous we're getting house. closer and closer to Moving into our house. The scary part is that the scheduled finish date is around the 17th of December, which is obviously about a week before Christmas. And so it's a tight schedule. So, yeah, look, we could be in before Christmas or we could be in in February because when <laughs> if we're not in before Christmas, it'll at least be a month after that once everyone has holidays. What am I talking about? Of course there's highs. Yeah, doll, keep going. We're going to be able to see family in Melbourne soon. Everything's opened up. Well, kind of ish. You know, Melbourne's out of lockdown. We're going to be able to travel. Is it really? They're like semi out of lockdown. Mummy, uh, mummy. I've never called mummy. her mummy in my life. <laughs> my mum has had messaged me today saying she's booked flights to come up on the 23rd of December. We'll see them before then, but she's like locked in for Chrissy. So I feel like we can oh, finally good. start thinking about that, which has, I think that's definitely upped the spirits this week. So tell me about your week. Oh, we got a little surprise this week on the farm. We tend to get these every now and then, but this mm. one is a little tiny hair. And if people don't know what a hair is, it's not like a hair from my head that's fallen off. Into dinner. Into my dinner plate. They're big, big rabbits. And I've got to tell you, you post that shit online, people come at you like they know what hairs are, what they eat, if it's going to die, if it's going to be alive, what's going to happen, should I let it go or you shouldn't. Like I didn't ask for any like help. There was just people coming at me left, right and centre giving me all different kinds of advice. Do you know the funniest thing about social media, and I will never worry that this is your lives because I know in the scheme of things it's such a cushy job, but people worry about the trolls, but I think the things that eat away at you the most (laughs) is when, like, there's. it's so great if you need advice about something. Sophie's talking about her Kindle for sure. No, 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 not at all. (laughs) I'm loving the book recommendations for the Kindle, but it's, it's when, you know, if you're asking for advice, like, you get such good like you know a cross-section of advice but the worst thing is when you don't ask for advice 
and people just give you advice on things in your life. Like it's the smallest thing. But last night we were watching Alone, which is this TV show, like it's a reality TV show where they pop people like literally out into the wilderness with 10 things that they get to choose to survive. And I just posted Poppy in front of the TV because it was nine at night and she'd napped yesterday. So she was taking forever to go to bed. Like that was literally all I showed. And all these people came at me saying, no, don't watch that season. Watch this season. It's way better. Da, da, da. I was just like, I didn't ask. Just let me watch my show. I know. People are out of control, aren't they? They can't help <laughs> and themselves. And they mean well, but it's just so funny when it's like literally I didn't even say what show I was watching. You could just see it on the TV and it's like, nah, you're watching the wrong season. <laughs> Get off. Don't watch Netflix. Watch Stan. Don't watch Stan. Watch Binge. Hey, I had a funny moment this morning, actually. I dropped Yumi off at daycare and all the parents are like downstairs dropping their kids off. And I yelled out, I said, oh, can I have a kiss? And this dad turned around and looked at me and I was like, oh, not you. Yumi, do you want a kiss? It was so awkward. Like, obviously... He knew, well, I hope he knew that I wasn't asking him for a kiss, but he was literally walking in the same, like the same wherever Yumi was in that, in that eye line. So he really thought that I was genuinely asking him for a kiss. Imagine if he just planted me one. Yesterday I took Poppy with me to F45 and I was pulling these funny faces at her. And I think because she doesn't look anything like me, people were assuming she was my friend's daughter. So they didn't realise I was making funny faces at my child. And they literally were like looking at me like, do I smile back at this utter freak? And then so I had to like really overdo it and be like, Poppy, Poppy, like I just looked even weirder. I was just like, I'm just, just let me have a moment with my child. They're probably like, go home and have a moment with your child. I know. Now we actually had some ripper mum hack and Rudolph Fabulous has sent in this week. I'm going to start with the mum hack. Yes. So of course do. we're going to start with Hey Legends. Thanks for making a bloody <laughs> awesome, informative and hilarious podcast to get me through my first year of mum life. Our pleasure. I think I may have incidentally created a lowbrow mum hack this morning. My 14-month-old has turned into a total snack monster lately. He was sucking while I was rushing to try and make his smoothie for morning tea today. So to shush him for a little bit, I shoved a teaspoon of nut butter in his mouth. Don't worry, he's definitely not allergic. He has it on fruit <laughs> toast all the time. Because of the consistency, he couldn't really move his lips and tongue, which meant he was kept quiet and very occupied while I could make his smoothie. It also looked freaking hilarious. Go me. <laughs> Go you, girlfriend, and please send in that footage. We would love to share it with everybody. There's nothing worse than having peanut butter or nut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth, but such a good way to silence your child. Also like wheat bix You should try dry wheat bix when you just yes. put a dry wheat bix in the mouth and they're like, um, Yes, I do. All right, so this has come in. My mother-in-law gave my husband and I a voucher for our one-year wedding anniversary under the exception that she looks after our baby. Debrief of my mother-in-law. Not a vibe. I get mega anxiety when visiting her or seeing her. Her qualities include manipulation, being blunt, claiming to own my things like my dog, my baby and my husband. Is it rude 
or is it fabulous? That is so rude. You cannot give someone a gift that has like an asterisk terms and conditions apply. Like you cannot give a gift and then go, but you can only use this gift if I can look after your child. I mean, look, I'm at the point of not having family around that I'd leave my child with just about anyone, but... If you don't want the support, you shouldn't have to give it. But I want to know what the voucher is. Can we find out what the voucher is and then I might make a – it could be fabulous. It could be so fabulous that you're like, you know what, suck it up, sister. I wish that one of us didn't get along with our in-laws so we could bring in-law content to the floor because we've had so many people write in saying, can you please – do a episode on setting boundaries with in-laws. But I feel like, unfortunately, you and I both really get along with our in-laws. Mm. Well, also, I've if spent... we didn't get on with our in-laws, can we really get on this Probably public not. platform and Probably talk about not. all the things they do that shit us? <laughs> but do you know what? I think I've spent a lot of years, like, with my mother-in-law. So, you know, I'm very used to and comfortable with her vice versa. I mean, she does tend to say that I scream too loud sometimes, but that's just what happens. Oh, that's not, not your in mother-in-law's issue. That's your issue. Yeah. Yeah. Just to confirm, that's when I'm like arguing. Anyway, I reckon it'd be fun to do an episode where we do a bonus episode on mother-in-laws and we get everyone to write in. And, and it's we, anonymous. It's anonymous because that way everyone can get away with it because we're saying it. Yes. And then we can like pretend that we agree. Yeah. But I get on really well with my in-laws. So yeah, but we can, Jules we, and Dale, if like, you're listening, love you. <laughs> it's like rude or fabulous though for mother-in-laws. Like we can still say if it's rude or fabulous or not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're definitely doing that as a bonus episode. Watch this space. Now let's launch into today's episode. We chat to beautiful Jenna and Sam. They are both physiotherapists and we chatted mainly about prolapses and postpartum prolapses. Yeah, and we think it's definitely an area that needs more airtime. If you enjoy this chat, let us know because we would love to speak to them about other pelvic floor issues. Or Jenna also focuses on paediatric physiotherapy so we can chat to her about like first-year development, learning to walk, et cetera, et cetera. So let us know and we hope you enjoy it. Hello, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump today. Before we get started, Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having us today, ladies. It's an absolute honor to be on your podcast. We've been following for a while. We love it. And Jenna and I. Stop it. Stop it. Jenna and I are basically the boy mum version of you guys. So I've got three boys. Jenna's got two boys. And ours are a little bit younger, but the busyness, the chaos, the love filled (laughs) chaos is pretty much what our life is run on. And your legend. So basically, (laughs) yeah. yeah. You are. We're mirror imaging ourselves right now. It blew my mind when I found you, when we found you. (laughs) We are also physiotherapists. So both of us are musculoskeletal physiotherapists, which means we focus on the whole body. But we also have some training in women's health physio. Now, I think something to kind of get clear from the beginning is that women's health physio encompasses more than just the pelvic floor and so you have pelvic internal health specialists and then you have women through the life stages specialists and you have the female athlete specialists because of course you know women are nice and complicated things and we (laughs) we enjoy the beauty in that Um, so Jenna and I are both we actually aren't internal pelvic health specialists but we do do a lot of education around pelvic floor pelvis as a whole 
So we work in a team. We're really lucky that we work in a team of physios at our current job where we've got two internal pelvic health specialists and then we've got four five now where the internal health specialist will do an initial assessment postpartum because we're going to probably focus on pregnancy and postpartum because this is the age kind of def- demographic I'm guessing that really listens yeah uh, we, will, we will talk a little bit more about later in, on in life as well but then we kind of grab women and and see where they're at and then help them return to whatever their goals might be which may well just be to not have painful sex or to be able to return to the gym like there's lo- there's lots of different goals but that sums up kind of what we do the biggest thing for us too is that we found that in order to kind of <laughs> mother's crying of course mum laughed um in order to you know make women feel a little bit less fearful about things like prolapse like what we're going to talk about today is that they need to kind of be educated or we find that being educated during pregnancy and before you give birth before you have bub that kind of decreases your fear makes you have a better understanding about what's going to happen and and that can improve women's outcomes postpartum in itself so it's one thing to be told you know you've got a weak pelvic floor or you've got a pelvic organ prolapse but to not know what that is when you're first being told it is really scary compared to having known a little bit about it and that's why we totally. are really excited to be sharing some information with you girls and today. I feel like all these things that surround birth and postpartum like everyone's starting to talk about them a bit more you know people talk about postnatal depression a bit yeah, more yeah. or or you know troubles with breastfeeding or whatever it is but I do feel like things like prolapse are really kind of lagging behind. Like women make jokes all the time maybe about, you know, being a bit incontinent or, oh, I can't jump on a trampoline. But I feel like. That's not a joke. No, it's not a joke, but but also like things like actual prolapse. And, you know, I've had friends recently that have been going through it. Like there really still isn't much conversation around it and there's still a lot of shame around it for something that is so, so common. Yeah. Yeah. So what is prolapse. Yeah, we can start with that for sure. So prolapse is defined as a slipping of the pelvic organs within the pelvic cavity into the vaginal area. Okay. So there are, there are a couple of different types of prolapse and not all types of prolapse influence every woman. Sometimes there can be a combination of the types of prolapse, but essentially if we think, and at any stage, if we're talking to jargony, please let us know. Um, But if we think in terms of looking at normal anatomy, of women at the front you've got your urethra and bladder in the middle you've got your vagina and uterus and at the back you've got your rectum okay and then off to your bowels now that those are your pelvic organs essentially and they are supported by your pelvic floor muscles which is wonderful because they are voluntary we can control them to an extent most parts of our lives I'm involuntarily doing it right now can you do it can you um but there's also the support structures of those organs uh, they're also held up by ligaments or fascia connective tissue that we don't have control over so you know in, in your joints you've got ligaments that hold it together but we don't actually have to control to activate them so 
Prolapse happens because of either inability of you to coordinate and effectively control your pelvic floor muscles or decrease strength, decrease endurance, or because of the laxity more so within those ligaments and fascia within your pelvic, I guess, hammock. Pelvic hammock. Pelvic, <laughs> pelvic hammock. Well, <laughs> like it. It sounds it. relaxing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it is. It's all about how you, your ligaments are kind of relaxing. And so obviously when you're pregnant, the weight of your baby as it grows puts pressure down on those ligaments and softens them. And that's something that we want to happen if we want to have a normal vaginal delivery. We want our ligaments to kind of soften and allow for space for baby to descend and then eventually come out your vagina. Um, so it's an, a normally occurring thing that happens in pregnancy, but there's actually some research out there now that says that just as we age, it's normal for our pelvic organs to descend a little bit, have some laxity within those ligaments, within our pelvic cavity. Along with our boobs, oh, our every, face. Every, yeah. <laughs> gravity, right? Damn it. Yeah. We can't defy gravity. <laughs> so there's actually some studies out there quite recently studies that show women even in their 20s who have come to women's health physios for whatever reason, perhaps it might be pain with sex or endometriosis, things like that, they may well show objective signs or objective measures of having some descent of their internal pelvic organs without necessarily having any symptoms. So what diagnostically might be like a mild prolapse might, may well not be something that's bothering them. And that's in women that haven't had babies as well. Mm-hmm. So it's part of life, but prolapse itself doesn't necessarily have to be a part of life. And your pro, you can also have a prolapsed rectum, is that correct? Yeah, so if we go back to, sorry, the basics of anatomy at the front, you can have what's called an anterior vaginal wall prolapse where your bladder kind of sits into your vaginal cavity. And then you can also have a uterine prolapse where your uterus can descend down the middle uh, or your cervix and it goes closer to the vaginal opening and you can have a posterior vaginal wall prolapse where your rectum can sit into your vagina as well. Now, there are varying grades or degrees of this prolapse, and some women may well have prolapse without having any symptoms such as bulging or heaviness. They can't see a visual of your vagina falling out but there are higher grades of prolapse where you may well see a bulge within your vagina and unfortunately when you google it mostly the really bad ones come up gosh we have so many choices and options <laughs> <Not with prolapse. laughs> i'm so you, so happy we are so diverse <laughs> yeah which one do i have which one do i want this year yeah so you're saying so part of pregnancy it's quite normal to have this because i remember especially with my set like i don't think postpartum I've had them Mm -hmm. but I definitely felt like when I was pregnant with Goldie my second I remember thinking I think I'm going to go into labor a lot earlier than I did with Poppy because every time I try and play with like Poppy on the floor I feel like my vagina slash Goldie is going to fall out is falling out of me and I remember even going to my obstetrician and going can you check me because I think (laughs) I'm about to go into labor so did I likely have a prolapse at that time but it was just a prolapse that was getting me ready to vaginally deliver? Well, that's an interesting question. And it it sounds like you had some bothersome symptoms. So we kind of diagnose Mm. prolapse based on objective measures, but also on the bothersome symptoms. So the fact that you Mm. had said, 
I felt like my vagina is going to fall out when I squat down to play on the floor. That's a symptom to say, yeah, you probably had some mild prolapse there. You didn't visually see something coming out of your vagina. My head wasn't actually between my (laughs) knees, but it felt like. Yeah, yeah. And that's what a lot of women with prolapse do feel. And when you feel that for the first time, it's very scary and very confronting. Mm. Oftentimes it's with your subsequent pregnancies and you think, oh my goodness, I'm so ruined. Why did I do this? All the fear that's instilled. But you don't get those symptoms or what can happen is that you don't necessarily have those symptoms postpartum because the weight of your baby and the increase in the intra-abdominal pressure isn't there. So Mm. there are many things within your life, your day-to-day that you can do to avoid um, having those symptoms. So if, if, say, you do continue to have those symptoms of your vagina falling out postpartum or you feel a bulge, a golf ball between your legs, that's a definite sign to go and see an internal public health specialist, but it doesn't mean it's going to be there forever it's one of those things where prolapse fluctuates it's not always bad it's not always the worst thing that you can Mm. think of sometimes you don't even feel it at all so it's it kind of varies in nature based on lots of things (laughs) including your lifestyle factors I felt like I had a prolapse after Mia, my first child, mm-hmm. because I was incontinent and it was just really hard to exercise. Every time I jumped on a trampoline, I'd wee myself. Every time I'd cough, I'd wee myself. Mm-hmm. Then I had Billy and I don't know if I my muscles were strengthened, but it I just it wasn't as bad. Mm-hmm. And then even now with Yumi after having her, so that's two and a half years after giving birth, in this time, I have strengthened. I've gone from weeing no matter what if I'm exercising, jogging, and like it's proper wee. Like it actually will fill my knickers if I go for a jog. Yeah, yeah. And then now I can actually go for a jog and I haven't consciously been squeezing my bits. I've just been, you know, I don't I don't know what it is. But is that different? Is that prolapse or is that incontinence? Yeah. So or- that, that it's really something that needs to be made clear is that incontinence and prolapse do not go hand in hand. You may well have prolapse symptoms without having any signs of incontinence. You may well have incontinence without having any prolapse. So what's the difference? So what you were probably experiencing is a loose vagina. Go on. <laughs> No, just decreased (laughs) pelvic floor muscle strength, decreased coordination of your pelvic floor. So when you were running, no doubt with every step, your pelvic, your beautiful little pelvic floor muscles that go around your urethra were just not able to cope with the demands you were placing on your body at that time. And so there's a lot to be said about a graduated progression back to running, especially running, because it is a high impact activity. And so starting with real basics, so starting from, you know, even the first week, if you want to, no one's really thinking about it because they've got a new human, new human, but doing some pelvic floor squeezes, getting the coordination back, getting the mind muscle connection back, and then being able to cope with general day-to-day demands. Like, so being able to pick up your baby out of your cot without feeling like you're going to fall out by doing some, you know, basic strengthening before going into the high impact activities. I just, I want everybody to stop what they're doing right now and focus on their inner vagina walls and (laughs) squeeze them. them. I will remind you throughout the show. And relax them. So here's the thing about overactive pelvic floor is that you can still have 
prolapse and overactive pelvic floor is something that we're seeing more commonly because women are just, we are go, 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 right? We do not stop. We're holding on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just the way society has molded us. We just do it and we don't stop to breathe. And so our pelvic floor often just holds on, holds on, holds on, holds on, and then it can't hold on anymore. So then when we cough, it's going, oh, I can't hold on anymore. And so you leak urine because your pelvic floor is on so much. That's so over. if you hold on to your, like, obviously when we have kids where, you know, I think the last thing we do is go to the toilet. We're like, oh, no, I've got to feed her. I've <laughs> yes. got to do this. I've got to do this. So if you hold on to your bladder mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time, does that make things worse for your? So this is deep. This is going away from prolapse a bit. But, yes, yeah, so okay, if, you're, if you're continuing to hold on urine, your bladder and, and your bodily systems are still going to increase in urine, right? You're still going to need to wee. You're still going to produce more. Um, and so your bladder can stretch, but it's not necessarily a good thing for it to stretch so much so over the course of an eight-hour day, for example, without having gone to the toilet because then that means it becomes uncoordinated and that's something more of a... So we're using different muscles when I'm holding onto my bladder rather than doing a, no. a pelvic floor exercise? No, no. So your pelvic floor itself consists of a bunch of muscles, right? And you've got ones that kind of squeeze around the front, squeeze around the back, and then also lift up. Okay. So we don't have a sphincter muscle around our vaginas. So that's why prolapse is happening around our vaginas. It's not happening outside of our rectum. Yeah. We're falling to the place that has the most space. Path of least resistance. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's classified as a Herneal portal, is that herneal yeah. portal? Yes. Yeah, good, good word. Terrific. The, yes. the genital hiatus. Come into my hernia I preferred portal. hammock. <laughs> <laughs> no, so there is a term called your genital hiatus, which we t- internal women's health physios check postpartum. That's one of the things that's a, a known predictor, the width of your genital hiatus, which is that space around the opening of the vagina, that can determine whether or not you're going to have prolapse in the future. And so that's why it's important to go and see a women's self internal specialist because they can then give you whatever you specifically need whether that be to be told to rest whether that be to drink more water whether that be to modify your diet most likely to do some pelvic floor exercises specific to you as well mm-hmm. so there's a lot to it and you can't sometimes women get incontinence with prolapse sometimes they don't they don't go hand in hand I think that's where we started with this question yeah so I think there is this emphasis put on incontinence Mm. and I mean you know we've even done it now and we almost feel like oh like if we don't have incontinence postpartum then our pelvic floor is fine but what you're saying is that often prolapse happens without incontinence so so how does someone know yeah especially postpartum where everything feels so foreign as it is how do you know if you have a prolapse. So you'll know because you'll feel a heaviness. Actually, Jenna, do you want to describe this? Because Jenna's how many weeks? Six weeks postpartum. Six weeks postpartum at the Se- moment. Oh, second bump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've had no um, incontinence or anything like that. I at the moment have a grade two prolapse and I saw the women's health physio at four weeks, which is often a little bit earlier than the six-week checkup. But I had the symptoms of that heaviness and the bulge and I panicked. I was going to say, and the anxiety. So the other thing is 
I've had that many of my friends text me and say, oh my, at three, four weeks postpartum, oh my God, my vagina is falling out. What do I do? And Mm. it's always rest, lay with your legs on. And when I got it checked. Yeah. And so she confirmed that it was uh, grade two just with her assessment. But the main symptoms. How many grades are there? Sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah, if we go back on that, there's the grading is dependent on how much descent of your pelvic organs there is within the vagina. Yeah, and so grade one's mild. You probably won't even notice it. Grade two, she's noticing it. Yeah, some women might notice it, but those signs that she talked about were yeah, they're the main ones. Yeah, so just the heaviness, and I also had heaviness. Like if I went for a walk with the pram, <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, she's texting me at three weeks postpartum. Oh yeah, I've just walked three k's and I can't get home. <laughs> like, what are you doing walking? <laughs> but it's a mental game too, right? So this is why we exist because there is an absolute delicate balance between you know being able to exercise for your own mental health, but physically your body has to be capable of doing it without having mm. symptoms like this. So postpartum is a real mental game like we all know. And so trying to balance that is is what's happening right now for Jenna and many women postpartum. Because you want to get out of the house as well. You don't want to just sit around and and lay with your feet up. And I also have an 18-month-old, so it's not like I can sit around with my feet up with him running around. Oh, babe. Yeah. (laughs) And so is it one of those things that all women postpartum should be checked? Like can you have like a prolapse that should really be managed but you don't actually have symptoms of it? Do you know what I mean? Like could you feel fine and avoid a pelvic like uh, follow-up? So it's one of those things where it's a personal preference thing but at the same time, there's a sweet peace of mind with having gone to your internal pelvic health specialist and being told that you don't have signs of prolapse postpartum. And so if it's especially if you're turning, returning to exercise, if yeah. you're returning to exercise, I think. If you're returning to running, lifting yeah. heavy weights, it's important. then it's important. But I literally had a patient yesterday who has what would be described as a grade two prolapse, but her symptoms are not bothersome to her. And so mm. there could be management put in place for her that's more than just pelvic floor exercises, more than just lifestyle modifications such as pessary use, but she's umming and ahhing about whether she'll use it because it's not that bothersome to her. She's not someone that's going to go back to running. She does want to be able to run after her three kids, of course, but it, it goes. Does she? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does she really? <laughs> I don't think she does. <laughs> maybe that's it maybe that's it but it's one of those things that you can come back to haunt you when you are perimenopausal okay and I think that there's what that's why there's a bit of fear instilled in us about prolapse as well because our mums have gone through it so some of our mums have gone through it and not had the education and support and management strategies that we have now and so you know we want to feel empowered we want to feel educated and informed about our bodies particularly and our parent my mum particularly may well not have wanted to know all the ins and outs and thankfully my mum isn't suffering a prolapse after three kids which gives me hope and she's post-menopause but post-menopause when you decrease in estrogen you can have symptoms of prolapse that you've not had prior wow so that's why it's kind of a peace of mind to know that you know you're on the right track you know what to do to help your internal organs to prevent it from happening at a later date yeah Yeah? because as younger women we are much more versatile and able to heal and cope and teach our muscles how to work properly than what we kind of are like later on in saying that you can still you know one of our internal specialists has got a 90 year old woman that she's helping with prolapse at the minute so it's never too late 
but okay, it's easier to it's fix. It's easier to fix in that postpartum stage. Yeah, so is it one of those things that like if we were using Jenna as an example mm-hmm. who has a mild prolapse and you're, you know, only very much still in that fresh mm-hmm. postpartum stage, like is it likely that that will go back to quote unquote normal or is it something that you will forever have to manage? Uh, I think I, well, mine is, it, it's kind of dependent. So I've seen the women's uh, internal specialist twice now. I've also seen my obstetrician at the six-week follow-up yesterday and they're pretty confident that my prolapse is due to uh, my pelvic floor not being strong enough and not activating well opposed to any actual damage. So I haven't torn right. the pelvic floor off the wall or anything like that so because I haven't had the trauma it's likely that I can strengthen up and and improve quite well opposed to someone who's had a big trauma it might be a more of a management and an ongoing process process opposed to someone who needs to just strengthen up their muscles yeah and did you do your pelvic floor exercises when you were pregnant and what is the importance of doing our pelvic floor (laughs) and can you all do your pelvic floor? <laughs> Jenna's a fun floor? case. <laughs> so I do my pelvic floor, no issues. I'm an ex gymnast, so I have Ooh. a pretty overactive pelvic floor. So I had to do lots of pelvic floor relaxation as well. So on and off, on and off. But I just had a really big baby. <laughs> so, so there's lots of things that can contribute to yeah. someone's symptoms. And that's it's very much an individualized storytelling and assessment that can help you to determine whether you need to. Yeah continually manage forever or whether you just in that first year or first six months postpartum can be you know much improved yeah so joey's head was on the 97th percentile so mm, that is the, thanks joey yeah, yeah. Cheers, dad. which you know <laughs> cheers dad i don't have a big head <laughs> women women can birth big head babies but they just you know all of jenna's things put together perhaps might have said otherwise because if she's had an overactive pelvic floor because she's been an ex-gymnast because she is running around like a crazy woman even towards the end of her pregnancy yeah the relaxation part you know, it doesn't always happen as well as we want it to. And is there anything we can do other than pelvic floor exercises, you know, before we conceive or while we're pregnant to try and decrease the risk of developing a prolapse? So I often recommend women who are worried about this in their pregnancy see an internal health specialist at around between 28 and 32-ish weeks, 34 weeks, later on in their third trimester, earlier on in their third trimester, sorry, just to give them peace of mind and to let them be known whether they actually need, because most often actually women need at that point to learn how to relax and coordinate their pelvic floor it's about having appropriate pelvic floor function not necessarily just the world's strongest pelvic floor Mm. or the world's most enduring pelvic floor it's about being able to coordinate on and off 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 for some women and some women have down training exercises rather than up training exercises and so it's an really an individualized thing so I had to do much more down training than up training Mm -hmm. and the first sign of that was I had lots of tailbone pain through pregnancy which meant that my pelvic floor was pulling my tailbone forwards. It wasn't letting it relax back as my hips were opening as pregnancy was progressing. Mm -hmm. 
I just wasn't great. It, it's actually really hard to down train opposed to up train. Up train is yeah. easy. And then so yeah. now are you up training again or yeah. is it now still down training? But I need to up train But does that relax. give you faith that it's like you manage to down train your muscles so probably they're receptive to being up trained again? The poor things are up so bloody trainer. fucking confused. <laughs> they're just like, up, down, up, what do down, you up, want down. from me? Pickle little things at the end of our bodies. Yeah, well, I've even um, in my follow-up I've already improved my muscle strength which is really good and I can lift my prolapse which is good so I can in my exercise now I can notice whether my prolapse is down or up so I feel like that's oh wow yeah so I think just having that awareness and the training like at the appointment so mm, the feedback of the, the therapist because the I didn't know what I was doing and I should know what I'm doing but yeah when when it's yourself it's so hard to treat yourself right no and that mind body connection after you've had a baby growing in there for nine months it's so hard like I remember feeling really good and then the first time I worked out I was like I don't it's not just that like my abs aren't there because like you know because I don't have a six-pack it was like literally I would do an exercise that I would normally do and I would be like I have no idea Mm. where any part of part of my body is yeah so bizarre the mind muscle connection is a real thing and that's why we kind of say a lot of women will say oh you know what I'm pregnant it's gonna get ruined anyway why should I do my pelvic floor exercises but actually the mind muscle connection is exactly what you want in those early days postpartum Mm. if you don't have control of your bladder if you're feeling your vagina falling out because your brain and your body and the neural connections between your brain and your pelvic floor are established, okay? So if you do nothing else towards the end of your pregnancy, then the coordination of on and off and on Mm. and off is at least something and then at least that makes it on and off. I know. I try to make it relaxing. (laughs) I feel calm. Yeah, because I feel like the off isn't emphasised enough. The off needs to be emphasised because you want your body to function. Imagine your bicep, for example, was just stuck in this position and you want to just at the last minute stretch it to let a baby out. It's not going to want to do it, is it? Mm. And and conversely on the other side, if you're like just lax and out here postpartum, you want it to be up here. It's not, I, mean, I know this is a visual, I'm sorry, I'm doing this on a podcast. Sorry, she's here pumping iron <laughs> yeah. with her She's got her vagina out and she's showing us exactly Open what to do. Open and closed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now shut those legs. No, I went and saw a women's health physio probably a year ago and she did a little test on me just to see what was going on in there and she asked me, and it does actually ring a bell now that, she went at the back and told me to squeeze and then relax and then at the side and then the front and all these bits and I'm like gosh I really thought it was only one (laughs) section like that I'm tightening and she's like no 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 so the back wall for you is the one that's slightly coming down a little bit and she tried to get me to hold for a certain amount of time now if you have not done pelvic floor exercises this is for me the hardest thing Mm -hmm. I can do Try and hold, and I honestly have tried to hold for about five seconds, and that is extreme for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh god, I gotta let go. It is like you just think something so simple would be really easy to do, but in fact, it's really quite the opposite. Yeah. So I, I understand why we get told time and time again. 
practice your pelvic floor because you do have to practice. Well, certainly those nagging types, that's for sure. But do you know, you don't have, do you have functional, I know this is a bit personal, sorry, but the, the, no, go, the functional. Go right I'm, per, I'm personal. <laughs> Everyone knows me. You hear stuff now. about Jade, you don't want to know. <laughs> Did you, so you've had three vaginal deliveries, have you? Yes. Yeah, and you went to the women's health specialist because of the running thing because yes. you wanted to be able to return back to running and you it was only when running it wasn't in your day-to-day function is that right like yeah unless I was sneezing and my bladder was full that will still happen and I may wee myself mm-hmm. or if I'm drunk mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm laughing so like once a year <laughs> that's very rare <laughs> what is that I don't even know what that is anymore. you know I don't really worry about that but you know you know when I do do that and I'm laughing my head off like there's been times where I've been out with my friends and I've had to take off my undies because yeah. I've literally pissed them. You know, and every everyone's <laughs> laughing. They're going, mm. "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah," but I obviously, when you mentally don't focus on that area, mm. it all just goes hell for leather. And when you when you're drunk, you lax, like you lose your inhibitions. You don't hold totally on lax. as much, like, and so you <laughs> yeah, let women, it all go. Yeah, literally, I know. And then there's, so there's women that whose prolapse symptoms only happen when they're drunk. So is it bothersome enough for them to continue treatment? Depends how, depends. Depends how drunk they get. Yeah, it depends how often they get drunk. So that's what we <laughs> They mean. told me though, and this is what I thought was quite inspiring and it got me out of this like little slump that I was in about it, is that you guys have these incredible little devices mm-hmm. that you can use to put inside. Yeah. So if I wanted to run... It holds the floor, the pelvic floor up, yeah. and you don't actually. I was mind blown. And they're like dices. Yeah, and there's all kinds. Square <laughs> objects. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit about pessaries. those? So I am still blown away that women haven't heard the word pessary. Yeah. Right. So, I, and I know it's just we should of do the a poll space. actually. <laughs> who knows how? Who knows what a pessary is? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they probably do it before the air lives. Um, but pessaries yeah. are little devices <laughs> that you know they change in size and shape. Depending um, on depending your on the, the space that's within your vagina, depending on the descent of your pelvic organs, depending on how much support you need for what you want to do. So that you can have little ring ones, you can have rings that graduate in size, you can have a cube-shaped one, you can have one that kind of looks like a dummy. There's all kinds. See, this is this is the thing that if one doesn't work, there's others that you can try as well. So it's not the end of life as you know it if you have prolapse symptoms there are certainly supportive what percentage of women out there do you think would be getting around with a pessary because I feel like the only times people really talk about them are when it's in much older women but I feel like so many younger women could benefit from it but they just think this isn't something that I saw in my life well they don't know it is you can just have a pessary for example we were discussing in my appointment because I I'm someone who likes exercise and very keen to get back to exercising as soon as I can. And now we're, we're talking about whether to have a pessary just for exercise. So I don't need it day yeah. to day, but if I want to do some vigorous exercise, I can, and I can put that in until I'm strong enough to do it without it. So, yeah. And so you can and that graduate gave me the down. confidence. Yeah. 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 Did you? Yeah. Ever use and that? so have you used yours? No, I didn't end up getting it. But um, <laughs> Jade's not great with follow. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really good at getting advice and going to get to those appointments and then, yeah, after that I sort of drop off the cliff. Do you feel like the safety in knowing, though, gave you? Yeah, yeah. 100%. There's something about knowing that you have that option and having the confidence that if it was really to a point that, you know what, 
I want to take up running and I want to do this, that I have that option there. It's, it's, I think for a lot of young women to know that. And also you don't have (sighs) to let anyone know. Nobody has to know. Yeah. So there's a bit of research out there now about the prophylactic use of pressories postpartum to support the vagina, just like what a good sports bra would support your boobs. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's no real consensus on it yet. And I guess a lot of women don't even know about it. So they don't know whether they want to try it or not, but using a support pessary while you exercise in the postpartum period to help you to get strength generally seems like a really good option to me. I can't believe that's not in one of those little show bags you get when you have a baby. (laughs) I agree. You should have one of those. There's so much pointless shit in that. If there was something that was actually useful, that would be Hand me more pamphlets about things I don't need to know. All the pamphlets. No, the thing is to be shown how to use it and to be sized for one. So obviously everyone's vaginas Mm. are different sizes. It's not one of those things that like a tampon you can just shove in but uh, there's different size pessaries different shapes for different purposes and that's why and usually Mm. an internal specialist you know they wouldn't recommend one straight away so if you go to have your six-week postpartum check like a very diligent postpartum mum that you are and they say i'll try these exercises come and see me in four to six weeks and we'll discuss whether you need a pessary that's the usual line of treatment so yeah, pessaries aren't necessarily for everyone, but they mm-hmm. I think that they're a wonderful tool in the toolbox to have. I think it's nice for women to know that they're an option out there and they're not the only one who's going to be using yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, gone are the days when I will never forget the first time I asked my mum if I can use a tampon for my period and she was like, yeah, just put it in the hole. And I was like, <laughs> my bum hole. And she's like, your vagina, and I'm like my pee hole, and she's like, "Oh, for God's sake!" I didn't even know I had a hole, and wow. now look at me. I've had three kids out of yeah. it, and you can do all different things. Like, there's so much. <laughs> all different things, <laughs> can you? you sure can. Absolute magic. And see this. Have you not watched Fifty Shades? <laughs> This is actually like our life purpose and our passion is that we want to educate pregnant women first time around so that they know what's available to them so that they're not fearful. They don't know their own anatomy. No, but we're also starting to go towards even like later high school, girls and guys need to know what the bits do and how awesome Mm. they can be. And having that body awareness Mm. is something that I think younger women need. Totally. So that's kind of a bit of a passion for, for us. And so circling back a little bit, you know, I guess Jenna was saying that in her case it was more the muscles and you were saying but other people can be affected more by trauma Mm -hmm. and that can be harder to come back from so like what kind of things are risk factors for that so like a big baby so even if you have a c-section delivery you can still have a prolapse it's definitely not as Mm -hmm. common but well like we talked about at the beginning it's the weight of descent of the baby on your pelvic organs that laxity of for the ligaments if you have a trauma like a significant tear in your perineum that hasn't been stitched up properly or that you haven't necessarily known how to look after postpartum that can be an significant impacting factor there's unfortunately some women that have tears of pelvic floor muscles so significant that they don't necessarily get back they can't get back to where they were before so that one Mm -hmm. of your pelvic floor muscles is called your levator arni and it kind of swings around like the trampoline essentially at the bottom and you can have this thing called levator arni avulsion where it actually kind of 
breaks off the front of the pubic bone and that is very difficult to heal and unfortunately there's just not enough research in women's health to trial effective management of that that's where your passive options often will come in as well Yeah. yeah and is it more common for women that have you know multiple children that are carrying twins and triplets to have it or is it just down to everyone there actually there isn't a lot of evidence in that but at the same time you can imagine subsequent pregnancies would put more and more pressure down mm. um, and increase the laxity and isn't it like a long pushing stage also can cause yeah long bit- pushing ineffective pushing and and even sometimes quick labours. <laughs> so I haven't had time. It hasn't had time to mm. let your pelvic floor and brain in. So either way, we're screwed. <laughs> if it's long, too long, that if it's too short, <laughs> I know it's and, just going to be just right. And one of the things, Goldilocks birth. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel I feel very blessed in that. I'm three babies in and I've had probably two Goldilocks births and don't have significant trauma. And that's why Jenna and I kind of complement each other so well. Jenna's had some pretty gnarly births, to be honest. And we kind of developed our retreats and our pregnancy education courses because we want women to get access to education that is not just left-wing, not just right-wing. We meet in the middle. We Mm. tell you like it is. We tell stories. We tell facts. You take in what you like and absorb it or you get rid of what you like, what you don't need. And mm. I feel like there's not a lot out there for women to be able to have a real informed choice and to know. And I just, I think it would be great to be told that you have an option to see a woman's health physio like six weeks after or whenever just to have that conversation because yeah. otherwise it just goes unknown. And then if you're not listening to a, an incredible podcast, you'll never I know. And I think so yeah. often it's just like drummed into us like one you have kids you'll never be the same so when yeah. you do have symptoms oh, and things fear. you just cop yeah. it because you're like oh well just part of is. having no. two kids yeah. is that I can never sneeze again I no. can never laugh again I can never run again but it doesn't have to be that way that's exactly yeah. right I found that at the gym I go to an all women's gym and a lot of the women would talk about incontinence and all those sorts of things like it wasn't a big deal or that it wasn't able mm. to be fixed like mm. that's just Life now. It's a, it's a very like, oh, small percentage not. of women that have urinary leakage when lifting weights that can't get it fixed, essentially, yeah. or can't yeah. find the support that they need. So I think that's probably the biggest message is yeah. that it's common, yes, but it's not. it doesn't have to be your normal. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there was a few people who said that they went to their six-week check and everything was normal but then symptoms kind of developed later yeah is that, is that, that absolutely common? can happen so there's a there's lots of Im- uh, impacting factors there but oftentimes what we see is that breastfeeding if you continue to breastfeed you and if you continually to not have your menstrual cycle your body's hormones are not in their norm and so that can impact mm. your symptoms also yeah, you might be fine in the six weeks postpartum, but oftentimes women's kind of get the, yeah, you go and have an exercise and they go and do whatever yeah. they want. And that run a marathon yeah. that's six weeks and one day. Yeah. yeah. And that the real emphasis should be on actual graduated progressive return to exercise, not yeah, bang, go and do that hip class that you want to mm. do. Yeah. Um, and that's where we we work mostly is with women that 
you know, it's one in three that might have prolapse symptoms, but there's two in three that don't and they get the tick to come and do what they like and gradually progress Mm. towards their goals. And so there was a petition, I think it was earlier this year, might have been at the end of last year, to try and get that six-week postpartum check on Medicare. They're still pushing for at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's not happened yet, but it's one of those things that every woman should have the option to have yeah and then most internal health specialists that do that initial postpartum check will say hey you would actually really benefit from this exercise program before you go Mm. and then do your personal training or before you go and try and run because it is we kind of pretend that we're a different person at five weeks and six days postpartum to what we are at six weeks and one day postpartum and it's like nothing (laughs) magically clicked into place at six weeks that now you are exactly who you were before you had that child yeah and you can have sex now because you've hit yeah yeah so go wild (laughs) and it's just like no No. yeah I think especially with running I think you wouldn't ever go into the gym and just lift 100 kilos but you would just try to run I think that's the the big one with the pelvic floor is we forget that running is actually a big impact. Yeah. So it's not like you can just, you can't just go back to running how you were before. That progression, I think, is important. And that's where a lot of women come unstuck. Yeah. And the magic six weeks number, it's just guided by our obstetricians or care providers that don't necessarily have that much idea about returning to exercise. They just think, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. well, you're going to go and do some yoga or something. Go ahead. But actually, I wish the magic number (laughs) was more like 12 weeks. (laughs) Like, my wish in life is that women gave themselves the time to heal appropriately Mm. regardless of whether they have a good birth or regardless of whether they have Mm. a shocking birth thinking more magic number of being 12 weeks gives that tissue healing time right you think um, in the general physio world if you torn a ligament in your knee and the, the physio said oh you need to be in this brace for six weeks you wouldn't even bat an eyelid but to have ligaments stretched perhaps to a similar level to what would stretch in a knee tear then it, it's kind of one of those subjects where it's like, oh, no, in six weeks I can do exactly that. You need to do the, yeah. the graduated yeah. return. I think it's also the mum mentality. Oh, yeah. kind of just do it. Right? Yeah. Just- but also if I had to wait till 12 weeks oh, to get the tick off to do any exercise, I would have gone out of my mind by yeah, then. So 100%. I do understand why it's earlier, but I think we need to take that as not black and white and Correct. go, okay, I've got the tick off, but, like, maybe I'll walk or do gentle Pilates. Yeah. Well, that's like, I'm not allowed to run. I'm not running at all. Yeah. Um, I went back to the gym yesterday with just some very gentle guided exercise. And I know exactly what I need to be doing and what I'm not allowed to be doing. But she has that mind muscle awareness too, right? Like she knows what her symptoms are and can accommodate. But just for my mental health, I I went to the gym and that for me is is really Mm, important. So I think to have to be able to go and do something but know what you're meant to be doing is I yeah. think helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, how does a woman know if they need to be operated on? So generally, if we think about the one in three women that might have prolapse symptoms postpartum or into perimenopause, it's about one in those three, so around one in nine that may Mm -hmm. well need to go on to have surgery, which is still a pretty big number. That is massive. Yeah, yeah. So more than 10%? Mm, Slightly, yes. And that's only if... So this is what's happening at the moment, but some of those women may not have tried conservative management 
Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing is that women's health physios aren't being as sought out as they probably should have because mm. the only reason a women's health physio would refer to a gynecologist for surgical repair of a prolapse is if they had failed all other options. It's when mm. a woman goes to see the gynae first and says, you can do it this way or you can do it that way. They want a quick fix. Now, unfortunately, even up to 67%, I think the number was, 67% of prolapse repair surgeries can then go on and fail. So that's that's something to keep in mind if you're thinking of having like a quite invasive surgery because yeah. it's not just the ligament. Yes, the surgeons do wonderful jobs at stitching up your the pelvis to your mm. pelvic cavity. It's the lifetime of habits that are causing the pressure on your pelvic organs and causing them to push down. So things like... It doesn't make your pelvic floor strong again. No. You've still got to train. It's it's the same as any other, like we're talking before, if you have knee surgery, when they've repaired the ligaments in your knee, it doesn't make your thigh muscles really strong. You still have to do... And so therefore you're more susceptible to injury still. Yeah. Mm. So I think you still need to hit that conservative... The conservative goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you, yes, you may well end up on the, okay, so we've tried 12 weeks of different pessaries, we've tried pelvic floor strengthening, we've tried X, Y, Z. Yes, you have significant prolapse. And this is normally what's happening for women who are postmenopause. And they don't, you might have heard the term mesh, but we don't, there's no, mm. there's no real mesh surgeries anymore due to secondary complications of them. It's more about stitching up the pelvic organs to the pelvic cavity. So it is really worth trying out those conservative approaches yeah. first because it's not an operation that's necessarily 100% yeah, always given. a no. success. No. Yeah. And so if someone has had a mild or a moderate prolapse, you know, following one child, are they better? to go on in consecutive pregnancies and have a cesarean or because it, it, you're not in the clear because you've had a cesarean, it doesn't no, necessarily so mean it's that? it's very much a complicated process and you know how much thought goes into deciding how you're going to birth, what you're going to do, mm. what you feel safest with. And a lot of women may not feel safe with a C-section. It would only be a quite significant prolapse and other concomitant kind of issues that would cause a direction towards a c-section having a mild prolapse alone is not a reason necessarily to have a c-section and unfortunately and i meant to say this before but unfortunately in pregnancy you can't use a pessary because of risk of vaginal infection but it's about modifying it's really about modifying your lifestyle factors so making sure you do not get constipated and that's one of those things we have more progesterone right so we yeah we get more constipated so drinking more water making sure we don't bear down things like having a stool at your toilet so a stool to put your knees up Sorry, put your feet up. I was going to say there's often a stall in the toilet, but that's, <laughs> no, in, that's a pun, shit. The pun was totally intended. No. Um, to make, the, make it so that your knees are up higher and having your body in a more optimal position to actually release a bowel Gosh, motion. That would be great just full Does stop. hyperemesis increase your risk? So I feel like whenever I vomit, I'm like weeing and it really feels like it's bearing down. Yeah, yeah it would increase your risk of prolapse because of the increased intra-abdominal pressure. Isn't that horrible? when it's coming out both ends and that happens so often to women and yes it can my whole life I've been a bit of a vomiter like (laughs) you know like when I'm hungover I vomit when I started on the pill (laughs) I vomited I got 
terrible morning sickness. And everyone's always like, oh, the vomiting must be so bad when you're pregnant. And to be honest, I don't mind the vomiting. Like when you're out in public, if you vomit in a toilet, it's like, yeah, whatever, I'm pregnant. Like Mm. lots of pregnant women vomit. It's the fear of pissing yourself. And I often will sit down on the toilet and find something else to vomit into because I'm like, you know what? The vomiting to me isn't as bad as the embarrassment I feel when I'm like out in public and I've vomited and I've just pissed myself. Yeah. And that's that increased intra-abdominal pressure thing. And the the overwhelming fear of it is the the biggest problem. But And and I don't want to say that it's normal at all, but you can retrain your pelvic floor muscles to be able to coordinate to increased intra-abdominal pressures. When it comes to vomiting and pregnant and wetting yourself, it's a really hard time <laughs> to be able to hold on to your pelvic floor. And in that instance, you know what, it, you can't train it right then and there. But it's something that once you've gotten over that hyperemesis or once you've gotten over that chronic cough, so women that have respiratory conditions, they have a chronic cough, it's a chronic increase yeah. in the intra-abdominal pressure pre- pushing down on their pelvic floor, they're more likely to have prolapses. So, yes, that is a significant risk can menstrual cups lead to prolapses or if you have a prolapse should you avoid using menstrual cups it's an interesting question and an individual thing again but the, Mm -hmm. the reasoning behind people thinking that menstrual cups might cause prolapse is because when you use a cup it is meant to create a suction to hold into your vagina and so if you don't take away that suction before you try and take it out you're pulling down and dragging mm. on your vagina and there's and if there's less support structures there around postpartum to hold it up you you basically yeah pulling down on the the cup could cause a descent essentially mm. you need to undo the suction so you need to just make sure you undo the suction it doesn't mean you can't use them it may well not be comfortable if you have a high grade prolapse yeah. to insert a menstrual cup um and that again needs to be based on what your values are, I guess. But the risk is all about the suction there. Yeah. And not de- taking away that suction. Have you tried one? Yeah. I can't find one that fits me properly. Yeah. I mean? really want to use one and I really like the convenience of it, but I just haven't been able to find one that like properly seals. Yeah. Like I've still had to, you know, like wear Moddy body undies just to like make sure that yeah, I haven't been able to get it to like really seal and hold. And it really takes some getting used to getting it out without feeling that dragging feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's something that I haven't tried yet. I'm still breastfeeding my third baby. So I think I'm one of those lucky unicorns that doesn't get their period back (laughs) until they stop breastfeeding. So that's my thing for postpartum this time around is to try Mm. and get used to a menstrual cup so that I can advise on it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's nothing like experience. (laughs) Something about it just freaks me out a little bit. I'm actually the same. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't, like even a tampon, uh, I get, I'm over just putting things up there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, But you you know what I'm, yeah, I'm pretty over that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking tired. There's so many women that are in that same boat though. That's right. But how lucky is it that we have like period undies now? Oh, and they are. They're they're God said. They literally, I I sometimes wear them because they're (laughs) comfortable comfortable when I go to sleep yeah. yeah i just can't imagine where i'm at. Yeah. giving them to your kids like, i know oh, I i'm so wait. excited I, yeah. that teenage girls yep. now have that option 100%. because that 
one is just, just the confidence. Especially yeah. the young, like if you get your period when you're really young, yeah. like yeah. that would just be make life so oh, much easier. And you know, having to deal with the pads and then it gets like yeah. on the left side, and then you're like, oh shit, and then you put your school dress on. Like it's just oh, awful, and I you're know. always paranoid. Yeah, yeah. not My anymore. My best friend got her period. I should probably wait, mind telling. Um, <laughs> when she was really young, Too like nine. And yeah. imagine mm. having to, like, if you could just give her some undies, that would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. So Being good. mums of boys, we don't get that. Not yet. <laughs> well, oh, maybe, you get maybe, you yeah. get different perks. You yeah. get sticky blankets. Oh, <laughs> smelly houses. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Well, that was most of the questions that came in. Thank you so much. Was there any other words of wisdom you'd like to leave our beautiful listeners with? The um... Oh, in terms of time it takes to manage prolapse. Mm-hmm. like it's very variable I know you would probably it's, it seems like a default answer unfortunately but every woman is different yeah. every birth is different every baby's different every the way people function postpartum is different so it's very variable I think that most internal health specialists would love to see women within the first year postpartum but that doesn't mean that you know, once you get on top of life when your kids are, I don't even know how old I'm not on top of life yet, but maybe three or four years old, it doesn't mean it's too late. Is that there's always time to go and be on the path to managing it a little bit better. But you do have more, it should take less time when you're in that, still in that healing postpartum phase because yeah. you can influence it a bit better. A bit well, better. Before we leave you, we would just like everyone to pause and do their one last squeeze. And make sure and you release. <laughs> and make sure you release. Yes. And I think as you said, and I think it is so important whenever we talk about these things to do with pelvic floor, like it is common, you're not alone, no. but just because something is common doesn't mean you just have to grin and bear it. Yeah. Like yeah. there's things out there to help you and we shouldn't be looking I just am sick of society looking at you know pregnancy as and birth as just this thing that we should expect to ruin us we don't have to be ruined by it we're still able to be our own person and not have these you know long lasting things that we just suck up because oh that's just part of being no. a mother. I'm and I so think our, over that. Yeah, our same. mum's generation is not great. I mean, some mums are great. I shouldn't say mum. My mum's great. <laughs> the, like their generation didn't have a lot of support. Their generation was definitely just grin and bear it, don't talk about it. And so fine. the conditioning. Yeah. So they did it almost to us. It's like, well, I had to put up with that. It's fine. Yeah. So I think Gosh. we need to get rid of that. Yeah. Be the well, change. Imagine the change. our kids' generation. They'll all be talking about it. Oh, imagine how much center. they'll be fucking whinging. We'll be like, can you just oh. pipe down? They'll be whinging even more than us. There'll be nothing that's off limits. They'll just, they'll be talking to the bloody postman about their prolapse. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming on and chatting prolapse. Yeah, all good. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.